like you to take your Bibles, please, and turn with me in the Word of God to the book of Hebrews, the ninth chapter. And we'll start here with one verse, the 27th verse. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. The Word of God says in Hebrews 9, 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die... But after this, the judgment. If you would, please, I'd like for you to read aloud that verse with me. Let's begin. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. I'm speaking to you on the subject, what happens when a person dies? This ought to concern all of us because all of us have an appointment to die. It's appointed to men once to die. What happens when we die? It may be a little more personal if I say to you, what will happen to you when you die? My wife and I were both affected dramatically affected by death in our childhood. Her father was tragically killed in an automobile accident when she was only five years old. He was a Baptist pastor and she and her mother were waiting for him to return home from a pastoral visit. And instead of returning home, they were met at the door when they answered the door by one of the members of the church announcing to them that he had been killed in an automobile accident. Every part of my wife's life was affected by that death announcement. Every part of it. The relationship she had with her mother was enhanced. The dependence she had upon her mother the role, may I say, the dual role that her mother took as mother and father for my wife and her brother resulted from that, what we might call tragic accident in the death of her father. When I was 13 years old, my mother came across the street on a Sunday and called out to me and to my brother and as she called out to me, we knew there was something wrong with her because of the tone of her voice. And she cried out. We were in a field playing, and she cried out to us, Come quickly, your father died today. Now, we knew he was sick, but his death had an effect on my life. I think that anyone would understand that. My father was 22 years older than my mother. He had infantile paralysis. He was born with a limp. And when he was only 10 years old, he lost an eye in an accident. And so not only did he limp all of his life, he only had one eye. This is something that made an impact. But nothing made an impact on my life, my brother's life, my two sisters' life, like the death of my father. 
that was really my first experience with death. I had heard about death, but I, I knew very little about death. My mother was frightened about death. My father was buried in Selma, Alabama. We lived in Maryville, Tennessee at the time. And we took the long journey to the burial place and talked about a number of things, important things, about his death. When my wife and I have discussed the death and burial of her father, she doesn't remember everything, but she remembers many of the tragic parts of his death. So when I say to you, what happens when a person dies? It was personal to my wife as a child. It was personal to me as a child and had an effect on my life. I don't feel sorry for myself because of what happened, but it definitely affected me. I think it helped me with sympathy and caring. It formed a lot of things in my life as a child, being the oldest of my siblings and the responsibility that I felt like I had as a young person. But I believe it's important to get the Bible in our hearts and minds and discover from the word of God what really happens when a person dies. God has announced to the whole human race that it's appointed to men once to die. We have an inevitable meeting with death. And the word of God says not only with death, but after death to face God in judgment. Many people need to give serious consideration who've never given serious consideration about what it's going to be like to meet God face to face and give an answer for your life. And the truth of the matter is, death is only a part of it. But what comes after death is something we need to take a good look at. I'm going to give you a booklet after the evening meeting. I don't want to give it to you now. I want you to try to listen to what I'm saying. But it's from a series I've written called Solid Answers, about 40 different subject matters have been dealt with. This particular one is what happens when a person dies. When I was researching this and looking for things that I thought would be helpful to you, I found a number of things, two of which I'm going to read to you now. I found in my research an article that was written nearly 400 years ago by a Christian in France. It's from a book entitled The Christian's Defense Against the Fears of Death. The theme of this particular portion is how to die well. And I'm going to just read to you what was written over 400 years ago about how to die well. Number one, no, God will not forsake us in our grievous agonies. Number two, look upon God as a merciful father, trust upon his infinite goodness. Number three, meditate continually upon the death and suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ and trust upon his merit 
on the cross. Number four, meditate often upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Number five, meditate upon the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number six, meditate upon the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ into heaven and his setting at the right hand of God the Father. Number seven, meditate upon our strict and inseparable union with Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit and the fruits of his blessed immortality. Number eight, consider that death delivers us from all temporal evils that we daily suffer. Number nine, death delivers us from sin, which we may see reigning in the world and from the remains of our corruption. Number eight, meditate upon the glory and happiness of our soul's departure out of this body. Number 11, meditate upon the resurrection of our bodies. And number 12, meditate upon the destruction of death and the eternal and most blessed life which we shall enjoy both in soul and body because of our resurrection. 400 years ago, someone had these thoughts to give us. Another thing I found in my research was written by people who are involved in hospice care. Hospice organizations give themselves to caring for those who are terminally ill and helping their loved ones cope with this difficult time in life. In a caregiver's guide, they describe the dying process this way. And I'm simply gonna read to you what they've written as these carers in hospice care have been dealing with people who are going through death. Many people want to know what dying will do and what it will be like, but they are afraid to ask. As the end draws near, there will be physical changes that are signs of death. Everyone's final journey will be different. So no one can be exact about how and when death will occur. The signs may appear over a period of hours or days. Secondly, frequently, as the illness or disease progresses, your loved one will no longer have a desire to eat or drink. This is not a sign of them giving up. Rather, it's a sign that the end time is drawing near. The body itself determines the time to discontinue eating and drinking. It's a natural response to the lack of the ability to utilize the food and drink. Next, during the final stage of the dying process, your loved ones may enter a stage called gathering in. 
This is a time when they do some of the emotional work of letting go of the things of this world. The gathering in time has been described as a time for preparation for the final journey that they must take alone. Often through this time, they may withdraw from you and not want you to talk or touch or share. Next, as the end draws near, your patient is likely to spend much of his or her time sleeping. He or she may seem to be unaware of the surroundings. Although other senses may fail, hearing and touch are the last senses to leave. Talk and touch your loved ones. As the time of death approaches, you may want to have someone with your loved one at all times. Some people remain alert until the final moments. Others are restful or sleeping. Still others may become agitated as life ebbs from their bodies. Next, there comes a time to say goodbye, to let go. Letting go is one of the most powerful expressions of faith and greatest parting gifts you can offer to your dying loved ones. The words uttered allow you to give up control and many hours of caregiving, trusting instead in God's love. Your words also offer your loved ones the comfort of knowing that you trust in God so that he or she can draw strength from your faith and assurance. Saying goodbye can be painful, but the pain is intensified if the process is entered with the illusion that moments after saying goodbye, your loved one will immediately die. Sometimes the words are first spoken when first spoken, invite a relaxation response. But the final breath may be hours or even days later. More often, the act of saying goodbye is repeated in part in different forms by different people over and over. The repetition itself reminds your loved one of God's steadfastness and the promise that God neither slumbers nor sleep, but keeps constant watch over us until the last moment and death comes. After a person dies, we know that all opportunity to know God for salvation, repent of sin, invest in eternity, and to give and receive forgiveness is over. We understand that. The voice is silenced. The opportunity is gone. The heart beats no more in that body. 
the brain ceases, death comes. Now, I'm going to give all of you a copy of this. I want you to have it, not only for your help, but for the help you want to try to offer to someone who's going through, has gone through recently this process of dying. What does happen when a person dies? The Bible has much to say about it. So much. I want you to turn with me, please, to the book of Genesis. Let's begin where God begins here. And just read what the word of God says in Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of life, you, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And when the woman said, lest you die, Satan said, you shall not surely die. So the subject of death was introduced in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says in Job chapter 14, verse 1, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. And dost thou open thine eyes upon such a one and bringest me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Verse 5 of Job 14. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Turn from him that ye may rest till he shall accomplish as a hireling his day. For there's hope of a tree if it be cut down that it will sprout again and that the tender branch thereof shall not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth and the stock thereof die in the ground. Yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. But man dieth and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost. And where is he? The Bible says in verse 14 of Job 14, if a man die, shall he live again? I can remember distinctly as a child looking into the face of my father and he wasn't there. His corpse was there. I saw his face. My mother had us view the family had us view the, my father's body 
and I looked into his face and there was no sign of life. He was dead. And I didn't know how to deal with that. I walked across the street from the New Live Oak Cemetery in Selma, Alabama to where my aunt lived and I walked a number of feet to another dwelling and got behind it where no one could see me. I don't know how long I stayed there, but I stayed there away from everybody and tried to figure out where is my father? What has happened? He was my dad and now he's dead. What has happened to him? What has happened? I want you to write these things down, would you please? Number one, he left his body when he died. He didn't remain in his body because God has made us spirit, soul, and body. And in death, we leave our bodies. The Bible says, if you write the verse down in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse seven, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was and the spirit return unto God who gave it. So when we die, we leave our bodies. You're moving, acting, talking. You're able to communicate with those you love and those around you. You're consciously aware of much that's going on and all of a sudden there's no response. You've left your body. Now you've gone somewhere, the Bible says you've returned to God, but you leave your body when you die. If you were somewhere present when you saw me die, and all of us have that appointment, I would cease to be able to communicate. I would go be with the Lord. I would depart my body. And every person who dies leaves his or her body. There's no question about that. The heart stops, the brain stops. We become what's called dead. The second thing that happens when we die, we keep our identity. The person who dies is the same person after he or she dies. We don't lose our identity. I'd like for you to turn with me to the New Testament, to what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 17. Please listen carefully. Matthew 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart and was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared with them as Peter, James, and John, and Jesus, Moses and Elijah, talking with them. Now, these two Bible characters had died, at least left this earth centuries before. 
But after hundreds of years, they still were the people they were while they were here. Turn again with me, would you please, to the 16th chapter of the gospel according to Luke. And the Lord tells this story in Luke chapter 16, beginning with verse 19. And there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. The Bible says, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died. Death has taken place. Here the beggar was once alive. He once spoke with people. He had an identity. They gave him a name. His name was Lazarus. And the Bible says it was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom and the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Now they were still conscious. They were aware of their surroundings, but they never lost their identity. Abraham was still Abraham centuries after he died. Lazarus was still Lazarus after he died. When you die, you're going to keep your identity. As a matter of fact, we could go further than that. I could tell you, you're going to be the person you were when you died. We can look in the Bible and see that if you were full of lust and sinful desire, you're going to be filled with lust and sinful desire after you die. A horrible thought because they'll never be satisfied. All the unquenchable things that were in your life when you died will remain as a part of your identity when you die. Turn again with me, please. Would you please? So John, the gospel according to John in the 14th chapter. And the Bible says when Jesus spoke to his disciples, he said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Live also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. When you die, you keep your identity. When you die, you leave your body. When you die, you remain who you were before you died. When you die, you go to a real place. Here the Bible says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. I'm going somewhere when I die. If you're a believer, if you've asked God to forgive your sin and by faith trusted the Lord Jesus as your savior, he promised that you're going to be with him when you die. As a matter of fact, 
the Lord Jesus says in this same chapter, a little later on in this same chapter, because I live, ye shall live also. Think of that. So I say to you, look at the verse, verse 19, in this 14th chapter. When you die, you will still be alive. Now that sounds strange, but remember that Jesus said, I'm the resurrection of the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Yet shall he live, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. He said in John chapter 14, not only when we die do we go up to a place, the Bible says, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. And he's talking about after death. Think of that. You're going to change locations, but you're going to still be alive. There's no doubt about it. After you die, you're going to still be alive. You're going to be in a real place, in heaven or hell. There's only two places to go. Turn quickly with me, please, to the revelation of Jesus Christ, the 21st chapter. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. Listen carefully. Ushers, listen carefully. Help, please. We're talking about heaven and hell and people need to listen. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first earth and the first heaven were passed away. There was no more sea. And I, John, saw no more sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned, for a husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. When you die, you're not only going to a real place, you're going to be with people. Look who those people are. Verse 3 of Revelation 21. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things have passed away. 
And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I will make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Notice verse 8, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If you've never trusted the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, the people you're going to be with after death are the most abominable, most hideous people that ever drew a breath of God's air. Some crowd's going to be with the Hitlers and the Mussolinis, the most criminally minded mass murderers that ever drew a breath of air. Death doesn't end all. There's life after death. And you're going to be with people. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, if you've never asked God to forgive your sin and receive Christ as your personal Savior, the people you're going to be with will be the people you don't even want to be with for a moment, much less for eternity. This is what happens when a person dies. And we're all going to die. We're all going to leave our bodies. We're all going to a real place, heaven or hell. We're all going to be with people, the most wonderful people. And for every Christian people they've known and loved, have long been gone, but people you still know and love. But for people who are not Christians, you're going to be with people who will be the worst company you could ever have for a moment, much less for eternity. This is real. And God says it's going to happen. And we ought to do everything we can to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior because it's real. It's real. And if we're not witnessing to them, not trying to bring people to Christ, then we don't really believe what I've been saying. May God help us. We need to know what happens when a person dies.